For anyone reading the news about Ticketmaster and Taylor Swift or Twitter and Elon Musk, the problem of malicious bots might seem insurmountable. The site was supposed to be opened up for 1.5 million verified Taylor Swift fans. Uh, we had 14 million people hit the site, including bots, another story, which are not supposed to be there. These automated programs can snap up concert tickets in the blink of an eye or pose as humans on social media, among countless other mischievous tasks. Bad bots are a big problem, accounting for one quarter to as much as one half of global internet traffic, or even more by some estimates. But they are not invincible. I read the articles and everybody's talking about Ticketmaster's infrastructure and servers has been overwhelmed for this volume of tickets. It isn't servers and volume of tickets. It is bots. It is unwanted automation. That's the assessment of Francois Locodonu, CEO of Seattle-based F5, which is one of a growing number of tech companies in the industry that offer solutions to detect, deter, and ultimately try to defeat bots. Companies have a responsibility to take this issue, this prevalence of bots, more seriously to address it because it is distorting the, the digital world that we live in. Could the Ticketmaster problem be solved with the right technology? Yes, 100%. I'm GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop. Coming up this week, we go inside the battle against bad bots with F5 CEO Francois Locodonu. Francois, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Todd. It's a pleasure to be with you. Francois, we've talked over the years about many different things, application security, networking, all the different things that F5 does. I know, though, that bots are something that you personally and in your role as CEO track very closely. They've been in the news a lot lately. Taylor Swift, Ticketmaster, Twitter. I wanted to just set the stage here by first giving folks a sense for what we're talking about. When you talk about bots in this context, what are they? Well, that's a great question, Todd. And just before I, I specifically answer the, the question about what bots are, I want to say part of the reason I care so much about what's going on with bots is that F5 really believes that we are increasingly, we're going to live our lives in the digital world. And it's really important that we can trust the digital world. And so we as a company, we are on a mission to you know, bring to life a better digital world. And I would say when you look at things today, you mentioned Ticketmaster and Twitter and other places, one of the big, big impediments to having a great digital world today is the prevalence of bots. And so what are bots? Small programs <laughs> that create automation, and can automate a number of things. It can automate the creation of new accounts on Twitter. It can automate the purchasing of a transaction on Ticketmaster or on anybody's website, or it can automate the creation of likes on a social media platforms. And so the prevalence and sophistication of bots over the last several years has increased exponentially because of the availability of the technology and the availability of human talent that is used to, uh, to power bots. And I think a number of retailers and certainly social media companies haven't really understood or grasped the motivation of the people who are creating these bots and the sophistication of these bots in the way that they are distorting the information that we are looking at. So that's why bots have become such 
a big issue in the digital world and frankly are distorting the reality of, of our society today. Do you distinguish between good bots and bad bots? That's a great question. Yes, I do distinguish between good bots and bad bots. And part of the problem in dealing with bots is precisely making the distinction between good and bad bots. So what is a, a good bot? Well, you know, a lot of the, you know, the digital industry today functions with companies interacting digitally between them. So if you have information on, let's say that I am an aggregator of financial information, for example, and I want to aggregate all of the information on your bank accounts, Todd, and you have multiple bank accounts, but I want to be able to present that to you in a single view, in a dashboard for you of all your financial information. I'm going to use, as a service provider to you, I'm going to use a bot that is going to go and get through APIs the information from your bank accounts, which you have authorized me to do. I'm through API going to go get that. If I want to do that, not just for Todd, but for thousands of people, I have to use automation. And that automation is good automation because it delivers a service to you that is a valuable service to you. So that's a good bot. And a good bot would be accessing your bank's websites to get that information about you and present it to you in a dashboard. A bad bot would be a bot that uses credentials from you that have been stolen on the dark web and would be accessing the same website, your, your bank account, but has stolen your credentials on the dark web along with 10 million other credentials. And that bot is now bombarding your bank account to try and get in using your credentials, pretending to be you, but then for nefarious purposes of you know stealing your money, wiping out your savings, et cetera. And so most companies today, most companies that have a digital front deal every day with good bots and bad bots. And unfortunately, bad bots are way more prevalent than good bots. That practice that you just referred to is known commonly as credential stuffing. And that is the reason why people should not reuse passwords across multiple sites. They get leaked in these many hacks that we read about and get notices about in the mail. Then people can go onto the dark web, get your email address associated with your password and hopefully not your social security number, but oftentimes, yes, that too. And and so here you have these bots then using that to go across many different sites. Obviously, that's a bad bot. And credential stuffing as a practice over the last you know 10 years has exploded because there have been so many breaches, large-scale breaches of B2C companies that you know there are hundreds of millions of credentials that are available on the dark web. And the attackers, the bad actors, they take advantage of this practice we have of reusing password on multiple accounts, stealing these credentials, and then using bots to bombard different bank accounts or, or your favorite loyalty cards at your favorite retailer to get in and take over your information and take over your accounts. So one of the ways you do that is not you reusing passwords and, uh, and credentials. That's how you protect yourself against that. I've seen estimates ranging from anywhere from a quarter to a half of all internet traffic is bots. Is that consistent with what you see at F5 in your work with customers? You know, it, it's tough to measure it for the entire internet traffic. We, we're, the data points we have would point to similar to you, about 30% of internet traffic being in the zone of bots, but it really depends on where the traffic is going. So I would tell you that F5 has what we believe is one of the world's most advanced bot prevention technology. 
And when we've gone in line of certain, you know, very visible retailers, sometimes we see that over 90% of their traffic is bots. It's, it's often devastating for the marketing teams because they believe it had a lot of legitimate traffic and find out that it is all bots and it is all automation. Some of the retailers may have only half of the traffic being bought, but when they launch a new product, let's say that one of the shoe manufacturers is launching a new, a new shoe, at the time of this launch, the bot traffic could be 99% of their traffic with all of these bad actors automating transactions to buy that shoe and then go resell it on the on eBay with a significant premium, which is at a big disadvantage for legitimate fans of these shoes. On social media, we have gone in line of social media websites where when we came in line with our technology to detect bots, we found out that 99% of their traffic was bots. Social media sites that thought they had over you know, several millions of followers or users really only have tens of thousands. That is because I think social media companies underestimate the prevalence of bots and don't have necessarily the sophistication to stop this bot traffic on their sites. You do have a solution called Distributed Cloud Bot Defense. This was, as I understand it, an outgrowth of F5's acquisition of Shape Security, and you've developed it further since then. This is really a growing area of enterprise security technology. You also compete against everyone from Akamai to Cloudflare to Google and a bunch of smaller players as well. So it's really something that a lot of enterprise technology companies and networking companies such as yours are pushing into because of the, the growth of the problem. Traditionally, when we've seen companies try to block bots, they've done it with CAPTCHA, this whole notion of making human users prove that they're users. Does that work anymore? Well, <laughs> it, it, it does, but it, it depends on the, um, the sophistication of the attackers. So no, unfortunately, CAPTCHA is a very rudimentary technique to prevent bots from, from attacking a website. And a, a lot of the, the websites that have a lot of traffic or attract a lot of attention, uh, attackers have found a way to get around this CAPTCHA. And so how, how do they do that? They use automation there. And by the way, you can go to companies today, a company called 2CAPTCHA, which I think is in Eastern Europe, but there are other companies that you can go to and say, hey, I want to buy a service to resolve 1,000 or 10,000 or 100,000 CAPTCHAs. And they will give you that service for not a lot of money. And the way they deliver that service is they basically take the CAPTCHAs that are being sent to you and they reroute it to human farms of people that are working in typically developing countries. And these folks sit in front of a screen and they resolve CAPTCHAs all day. By the way, that's one of the dark aspects of the digital industry is that these bad actors in resolving these CAPTCHAs for you, they exploit people who make $3 a day resolving CAPTCHAs all day. And by the way, you can do that. One of our researchers in the process of researching bot has gone with one of those companies, signed up. You can set up an account in five minutes. And then he solved CAPTCHAs for hours just so he understood the economics of it. By the way, I think a thousand CAPTCHAs, solving a thousand CAPTCHAs will get you a few pennies. Worst job ever. <laughs> it is. You're sitting in front of a screen solving these CAPTCHAs. This is a red light. This is an animal, etc. And you do that for an entire day and you'd make about $3. The thing that we underestimate is 
you know, these bad actors have used the combination of automation because you have to have the APIs and, and automation to route the CAPTCHA that's coming to you to somebody in the Philippines who's going to solve it and then route it back. They're using automation and then vast amount of low-cost labor that they can get anywhere in the world as long as that labor can be connected to the internet and a computer. And it's the combination of these resources that allow them to defeat the basic defenses that companies have put in place. And so we need to have more sophisticated defenses in place to block these bot actors. So is the answer in your solution and others artificial intelligence and machine learning? It is an important part of the solution. What we've seen, both for retailers, I would say large enterprises, even some of the social media companies, is that generally when they see this bot traffic starting, they treat it sometimes like a DIY project. Like, you know, they're going to hire a dozen of engineers or they're going to rely on their security teams to go and deal with that. And frankly, when they do that, they hire smart people. They won't be able to deal with the basic level of attacks. But the attackers that are very motivated are also quite sophisticated, and they they are organizations. They have means. They have technology. They invest in, in automation. And you need much higher level of sophistication to counter that. And so in, in our case, what we do is we collect a lot of client signals. So any device that connects to your website, we will collect a lot of information about this device, such as how fast is the mouse? If it's a computer, how fast are you, you know, um, moving the mouse? How are you typing? What's the pattern of your typing? We'll look at how is your browser rendering an emoji? Because different browsers render an emoji differently. So if your browser is rendering an emoji the way Safari renders it, and you're purporting to be a Chrome user, we'll know that you're pretending to be someone you're not. So we look at all these signals, thousands of them from the device coming in, and we can make a real-time decision as to whether you're a bot or not. And if you're not a bot, you know, are you a good bot or a bad bot or good human or a bad human? And that, but that's just the first stage. Then we do use AI and ML technology to do a second stage analysis, looking at historical data, not just that one transaction that one person trying to access right now, but the last 10,000 people that have accessed the website and what were the patterns in the last hour, the last day, the last month uh, versus other attacks we've seen. And it's the combination of these two stages that allow us to constantly defeat and redefeat attackers because they are constantly retooling when they see blocking. Unfortunately, when companies don't have these two stages of sophistication, you know, attackers found a way to get around that. So what does this mean for the likes of Ticketmaster? That's coming up next. Technology moves fast. I need to move faster. WGU's competency-based education puts me in control of how fast I move through my IT degree program. I can accelerate my program by applying what I already know to my courses and focusing on the things I need to learn. Earn a respected accredited degree that propels your career in the IT field. Learn more at wgu.edu backslash IT certs included. When you read news stories such as Ticketmaster and Taylor Swift in particular, which had ticketing bots jumping in lines and buying tickets that made it impossible in many cases for humans to get in, do you shake your head and say they're not using the right technology or do you shake your head and commiserate and say, wow, this is a tough challenge? I am sad and frustrated when I see that because I think of the thousands of legitimate fans of Taylor Swift 
including my my daughters and son, who yeah. want to have access to these tickets, legitimately want to go to see their their star, and they can't do that because of these attacks. But yet, I know there's a, there is a solve to this issue, uh, and I, I read the articles, and everybody's talking about you know Ticketmaster's infrastructure and servers has been overwhelmed for this volume of. Tickets. It isn't servers and volume of tickets. It is bots. It is unwanted automation. And the same thing I see repeat when the new Air Jordans come out and you can't have them because there are people who are buying them. They're using automation, buying them for $150, reselling them for eBay on $350. And the teenager that's been dreaming about his Air Jordans can't get them. And I feel frustrated when I see that because it's a distortion of the digital world. And I know that they are solutions to solve that. And I think that companies have a responsibility to take this issue, this prevalence of bots more seriously to address it because it is distorting the, the digital world that we live in. Could the ticket master problem be solved with the right technology? Yes, 100%. Wow. That's insane to me that this huge problem. I mean, you've got federal legislators talking about this and calling on the FTC to crack down on bots as a result of the Taylor Swift mess. And you're saying tech could fix it. Tech could absolutely fix it. And not just the, the Ticketmaster, but the Ticketmaster has been very, very visible because of the you know, Taylor Swift and the visibility to it. And Ticketmaster has apologized sure. for, for it, etc. But it, that, that story is repeated a thousand times you know, throughout the year in, in a number of other situations. By the way, it's less visible, perhaps when we launched the new Air Jordans and, you know, only uh, 2,000 people have access to their shoe, the other 20,000 shoes, you have to go buy them on eBay for twice the price. There's not the same, I would say, perhaps media attention to that, but it is the same issue. It is the same distortion. When there is misinformation and disinformation that is propagated on social media sites because, you know, you can buy, by the way, we, we had a one of our researchers that, uh, you know, Dan Woods, who was looking at social media, he went in and bought 100,000 fake Twitter accounts for less than $1,000. And he can then propagate fake likes and distort the information you're seeing. It is the same issue. It is a distortion of the truth that comes from this unwanted automation. And there is a solve against it, right? You beat that automation, that bad automation from bad actors with better technology. And that better technology does exist today. I've also heard it described in some ways as an arms race. And you alluded to this just now where you're talking about you have to, to tweak things and make sure you're adjusting and you're jockeying back and forth with the attackers. But ultimately, my understanding is that you're trying to make it so expensive or at least expensive enough that the attackers give up. Yes, the example I'm giving you this, it's on, the, on the, the research that we did with these social media websites, is one of our researchers, who is not a, a, I would say, a sophisticated programmer, can write a simple Python script in an hour or so and go buy a thousand, uh, you know, a hundred thousand fake accounts for, you know, $900 and then leverage a, a, a simple Python script to, if he wants, create another, you know, 10,000 fake accounts, and that those accounts are not detected as fake. The economics for attackers of creating these accounts and selling these accounts, the economics are very compelling. It doesn't cost them a lot of money. Now, if you put in place technology that is going to detect these fake accounts and remove them quickly, 
the tackers have to retool against that. And so they have to spend more time on it, build more automation or use more tools. And so the economic cost to them go up. And, and you have to move the cost up to them to the point where they say, that's not worth doing. I have an activity that I can do that is more economically compelling. Bad actors, by the way, are, are economic actors and they're rational. They're driven by profit. And so, yes, ultimately, part of the game that you play in defending websites and defending companies is making it so expensive to really come through the defenses that they move on to something else. What would be your message to the operators of websites and applications who are grappling with this problem, whether they know it or not? Number one, get ahead of the problem. Whether you think you know it or you don't think you know it, you have bots. You are attacked by bots. The only thing you don't know is whether they represent 95% of your traffic or 20% of your traffic. But there is unwanting automation going onto your website. And even if they're not doing anything bad, they're costing you a lot of bandwidth because you're building infrastructure internally to deal with a bunch of traffic that is fake traffic. So my advice would be find a solution that is going to detect these bots and block these bots. At a minimum, you'll get ahead of a big problem to come or you'll save yourselves a lot of cost on the, on the back end on, on your infrastructure. More importantly, you'll protect your customers from a very bad experience. Next up, F5 CEO Francois Locodonu on what he's seeing in the economy and the future of the traditional office. This GeekWire podcast is sponsored in part by Yale University Press. Are you concerned about the rise of AI and how it will impact our society? Every day, artificial intelligence presents us with urgent ethical challenges. How do we harness this extraordinary technology to empower rather than oppress? Nigel Shadbolt and Roger Hampson have written a how-to for building ethical machine intelligence. Their new book, As If Human, Ethics and Artificial Intelligence, is now available wherever books are sold. Francois, you're the CEO of a company that I think of as one of the, the quiet giants operating, obviously, behind the scenes. You may not be a household name in the way that something like Facebook might be. For people who don't know F5, what is F5? F5 is, I like the term quiet giant, actually. I would, <laughs> I would embrace that. But yes, we are a quiet giant uh, of, you know, of the internet, and I would say generally of the digital world. Because we secure and protect a very, very large number of applications in the digital world today. And so pretty much every single individual, every single day, uses F5 unbeknownst to him or her. And so to give you some examples, you know, the airline tickets you bought today or, you know, you, you bought them, uh, th that transaction, if you bought them, was protected by F5. When you went to your favorite coffee chain and... and you know, bought your, uh, your, your coffee on your mobile order, that transaction was protected by F5. If you've accessed your bank accounts today, but you're logging into your bank account, F5 made sure that it wasn't a bot and it was really you and it wasn't a bad actor uh, going after you. And I could go through every vertical of the industry and F5 is there really secretly protecting you against bad actors. We protect over 2 billion transactions every single day of folks accessing applications. So we're this, yes, we are this quiet giant sitting behind the scenes and making sure that your application that you're using on your mobile phone, that it performs 24 by seven, and that it's also secure 24 by seven. 
no need for a royalty when you go out and trademark that term. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Uh, so you've overseen a transformation of F5 in your tenure as CEO. Back in the day, the company was known, I would say, primarily for hardware appliances, network appliances, actual physical pieces of equipment. And that's still part of your business. But you've added a bunch of software and services. And this area that we're talking about today with bots is part of the security business. And security-related revenue was 37% of your total revenue in your recently completed fiscal year. And that's at about $1 billion that portion represents. Do you see this being a growing part of your business going forward still? Yes, I do. I do. And uh, Todd, you're very knowledgeable about F5. In fact, we are now, you know, I think when you look at total companies, there, there's over a thousand security companies out there. But I think there are less than 20 or so that have more than a billion dollars in, in security revenues. And F5 is now one of them. And it will continue to grow. And the reason for that, Todd, is our reason for existence as I say, is to bring to life a better digital world. And really, this is about applications, about all the applications that we use, you know, on our mobile devices, on our uh, computers, et cetera, to bank and to shop and to travel and to do our healthcare and all, all of these, you know, digital things that are now part of how we live. We want to make that better. And so when you talk about us starting our days in hardware and networking, it's absolutely true because when we started, the big difficulty for these applications was to scale globally. And for you know, these applications that were facing the web to scale globally, they needed technology that would route the application traffic in a way that these applications could perform all the time without latency, without a bad experience on a global basis. And we did that very well for the first you know, 15 years of our existence. But over the last seven, eight years, what we've seen is increasingly the biggest challenge that is facing applications is a security challenge, is that attackers have realized that the money is at the application layer and that if they can attack an application, they can attack the data of that application, either create ransomware attacks or use bots to pretend that there's somebody they're not and take over accounts. We have increasingly invested and rotated the identity of the company towards security because it is so critical to the future of, of applications. You said on F5's fourth quarter earnings call just recently that you have been seeing some changes in customer approaches based on the economy. You've had some customers scale back their plans with you. And I know F5 itself had a modest amount of job cuts recently. What are you seeing in the broader macroeconomic environment and how is it impacting your business? You know, I think what we've seen in the macro environment, uh, Todd, and, and really where it's been more prevalent is in Europe and Asia, where there's been a combination of factors. One has been the energy crisis, especially in Europe, which is more acute potentially than, than other parts of the world. A combination of that, the strong dollar that, you know, for, for American companies, it's creating a an extra pressure on budgets for customers with the strength of the dollar relative to the euro and certain Asian currencies. Of course, the conflict in Europe. All of these things have created a veil of uncertainty for people. And I think generally, when customers are uncertain about the future, they tend to say, I'm, I'm going to undertake less big projects and I'm just going to try and incrementalize what I have in front of me. And so I think it's more of that behavior 
that folks are seeing. And I think you've seen other companies, even in the tech industry, as they've gone through their results and announcements, share that they were seeing some change in, in customer behavior. So I think that is what we're seeing. But I would say the one area where you know, I would advise customers generally, you know, large enterprises to be really disciplined about is insecurity. Because that, that is not an area where you want to be cutting corners. It's an area where you want to keep your customers protected and your enterprise protected. Even in tough micro environment, I think customers are going to be mindful of that. Every time I drive back from SeaTac Airport to my home in Seattle, I look at the skyline and I see this gleaming new tower, and that is the F5 tower. It's new. I say new. It's a few years old now. You've been in there for a few years. This was an interesting case study in some ways because you moved into that tower right before the pandemic. Where is F5? Where are you in terms of remote work in the office? Do you have a little bit of a vested interest in saying, hey, everybody come into the office because we're paying for this big fancy new skyscraper? Like, where are you on all this? The F5 tower is a, is a, um, it, it's a fantastic building, both outside and inside. <laughs> uh, and so we, we love being here. But one of the decisions we made as we prepared for return to work was to give our employees the flexibility. And so we have a number of employees who have chosen to be fully remote, some who have chosen to be in the office, though they're a very small minority, and most who have chosen to be hybrid and come in a few days a week. And so we, we are in that mode now. We've been in that mode for several months. I would say that the number of folks coming into the physical buildings here in Seattle every single day is still small. And I would love it to be greater. And so we, we have, for now, resorted to manipulations such as Thirsty Thursdays and you know, free drink on this day, uh, where we get, we get people to come in and we have more folks. But I think we're part of a, essentially a giant experiment, Todd, where we will see where things settle and what are the implications of having less interactions in the office? And are we happy with these implications? Do we need to make a change about it? Uh, so I don't think we're, we have found the perfect formula yet, and I think we will iterate on, on where we're at. Do you think you'll end up with a formula that results in a smaller footprint than you would have had pre-2020? Yes, I think yes, because ultimately, regardless of the formula that we have, the model of 80% of our employees were coming in the office 80% of the office days, I think is is gone. You know, I mean, and we're not going to force people to go back to this to this model. I think that model is gone and I think there is a better equilibrium than that. Frankly, one of the guiding principles that I find one of our values, we call it human first. It's a desire to make the work environment work in people's personal lives and to respect that people have a life outside of work and that if we respect that life they have outside of work, taking care of their kids and their parents and their families and other activities, that if we have a lot of reverence for that life outside of work, then people give us way more than we deserve, we at F5. And so we start there and then we back into people will give us way more than we deserve. And so no matter what we do, our formula will respect that principle of saying we will make sure that you know, you have a life that you love and that your work can fit into that life. And we believe that if we do that, you will work more for F5 than we could ever dream of. As long as you don't try to employ those bots, you'll be fine, right? Exactly. <laughs> they, 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 they don't fit in the human first principle. <laughs> well, Francois, it's always fun to talk with you. Thank you very much for doing this. 
Thank you for having me, Todd. It's been fun. Thank you. Francois Locodonu is CEO of Seattle-based F5. You can see the show notes on this episode for links to more information. Thanks for listening. Our show is produced by Kurt Milton. I'm GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop. We'll be back soon with a new episode of the GeekWire podcast.